community. You know, that's what's important to the folks at People State Bank. A tradition is a way of going about things that develop over time. And since the day that Peoples first opened the doors of their business, they've served the credit and investment needs of this area. The money that's deposited with them is reinvested locally in the form of loans to area families, agriculture, and business. You know, they've got all these convenient locations. Sumner, St. Francisville, Lawrenceville, and Bridgeport. And quite frankly, I don't know how we would have known the time nor the temperature without that sign in downtown Bridgeport when I was a kid. Go see the folks at People's State Bank while they help serve this community that we know and love. Sumner, St. Francisville, Lawrenceville, and Bridgeport. People's State Bank. Hey, you want a good home-cooked meal and you are in or around Bridgeport, Illinois? Gray's Restaurant for over 75 years has been serving up fantastic dinners and, and well, let's face it, it's, a, it's the meeting spot where most people, when they come back home, like to go. Just stop in and you know you're going to know somebody in there, say hi and reminisce and talk about things just like people have been doing for over 75 years. The best cheeseburgers in the world, hand-cut steaks, breaded tenderloins, and those famous catfish dinners are what people flock to from everywhere to see. Give them a call if you want to pick it up, 618-945-9501, or go see them at their 955 East State Street location, and never know who you're going to run into. Have a drink, have fun. Back home in Bridgeport, Illinois, and that is Gray's Restaurant. So do yourself a favor. Let the Gray family cook for your family today. Looking for insurance, we hope that you would call the Andrews Insurance Agency at 542 Main Street in Bridgeport. Terry Andrews and Justin Shear are your independent agents and they're your professionals for all of your farm, commercial, and personal insurance needs. And they've been strong supporters of Red Hill Athletics for decades. So if you're brought down by a pack of dogs, get off your seats and on your feet and see T-Bone or Juice and give them a call at 618-945-2881 at the Andrews Insurance Agency. Hey, if you are in Bridgeport, Illinois, and you're looking for pizza, well, I know where to go. Griffin's Pizza House, of course, right there across from the Dog Pound. They're open 4 to 9, Tuesday through Sunday, and, of course, the first Friday of every month. They're open for lunch, 11 to 1. Well, if you haven't tried it yet, the October pizza of the month is the Jamaican Jerk Chicken Pizza. They start with barbecue sauce. Then add the seasoned chicken, sauteed red and yellow peppers, and then top it off with bacon and mozzarella cheese. And listen, let's just be crazy here. Throw some pineapple on that baby for a little extra flavor. 10-inch, 10.69, 14-inch, 16.89 at Tyler Griffin's Pizza House. Hey, thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Old School Red Hill Podcast. And I got a couple of more boys that you can't take the home out of. Mr. Chip Jamerson's on hand. How are you, brother? 
Hello, Brian and Gary. Uh, I, I don't have much small talk tonight because I know we have to get going. So it's good to see you guys. Though. I'm, I'm ready to get. We have a jam-packed episode. Gary, how are you, bro? Doing great. Doing real good. Excited hey, well, for this show tonight. Absolutely. We have we have got some uh, good stuff. A little different. Shorten it up. Only covering the summer of 1985. And evidently, what a summer it was for movies, music, local news and uh, let's just jump right into it uh, a couple things about the cost of living in 1985 average cost of a new house eighty nine thousand three hundred thirty dollars median price of existing homes seventy five five average income per year in the united states in 1985 twenty two thousand one hundred dollars if you're paying rent you're looking at about 375 the average price of a new car, 9000 A postage stamp. Chip, what do you think a postage stamp cost in 1985? A uh, 22 You're exactly right. 22. Oh, wow. Dang. Uh, bacon that you're now paying 10 bucks for was a buck sixty-five. Uh, ground beef, $1.39 a pound if you were looking for something like that. And uh, five pounds of potatoes, Gary. What did that cost you in 1985? Dollar and a quarter? You're, you're close. One dollar. One dollar. Oh, exactly. Dang. So there you hey, go. Why, before you get on, the, I had some of these things kind of down for my part, too. So I think now's a perfect time to say it. Do it. Sunday special at Druthers. Brian was a former worker of Druthers. Not, not during the summer of 85, I don't think. All the chicken and salad you can eat, $3.29. Wow. But that was a good deal. It's an amazing deal. Yeah, I mean, as I was researching, the Druthers ads were really oh, yeah. uh, mouth-watering to me, <laughs> just seeing those ads in the Daily Record. Like you under a buck for biscuits and gravy and a coffee or orange juice. And that deluxe quarter, I mean, I could smell, uh, I could taste uh, that yeah. deluxe quarter through my computer screen. As I worked at Druthers, I ate a few of those as I uh, uh, took trash out to the dumpster. I'd smuggle <laughs> out of there. Um, Brian, what did you say a car, uh, new car cost? Uh, average price of a new car, according to this, was $9,005. Well, I found this interesting, too, the a couple different uh, ads for new cars. Westfall Olds and Dotson was advertising a 9.9% interest rate through GMAC and said that was uh, that was the best deal they've had all year long. Nine West. Nine point nine. Westboro wow. Auto was advertising ten point nine percent financing. I just bought um, through our credit union. I just bought a car for two point three. So uh, there you go. Yes, things are a little bit different. Hey, along those same lines, I've got one that I had printed out. I'll go ahead and jump ahead. This was from the Friday, August 2nd edition of the Daily Record, the Candlelight Restaurant. I thought this was a pretty damn good deal. T-bone steak, including your choice of potato and salad bar, $5.95. For a (laughs) T-bone? A T-bone, potato, and salad bar. Now, listen, that doesn't include your drink. All right. What animal was the T-bone from, I wonder? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> off your seats and on your feet yes anyway gary michael emmons is going to lead us off with june of 1985 well i kind of like to start like where where was i so i had just uh we didn't have a formal graduation from seed school fourth grade but i had just completed my fourth grade fourth grade year and i was uh, entering the new school at the k5 and 6 center for fifth grade the following year so I have fond memories of this summer. You know, I know all three of us are really, really big music fans, and you talk about the golden age of music, and this may for uh, me leads off what a great, What a great countdown! Yeah, the the late eighty or mid to late eighties into the night into the early nineties, but those late eighties, man, oh man, was it amazing. So, I thought some of mine. That's the first one right there, little Axel F. 
kind of epitomizes the year 1985. From the Beverly Hills Cop soundtrack. Yep. You know, which this shouldn't be a big thing. I remember for a long time, I didn't realize Axel F was Axel Foley. Yep. Oh, yeah. How old were you when you found that out, Gary? Well, maybe just right now. I don't think I ever saw the movie, to be honest with you. I've never seen the movie. Casey Kasem used to talk about that. That's the only reason I knew it was the Eddie Murphy guy. Was Otherwise, I have no idea what Axel F meant. Huh. I don't think I've seen either movie. I think there. Were, I don't think there was a third one. But this this song is so 1985. It's sure. pretty 1985. But leading into my next song, I wanted to play another one, uh, top hit from uh, 1985, specifically June of '85. It was a little Tears for Fears tune. Oh. Everybody wants to rule the world. Every single person listening to this podcast, listen to this song on W A K. Oh, and still in heavy rotation. Oh yeah, absolutely. No question. <laughs> so it doesn't matter if you're a youngster listening to this show, you're still hearing it on WAKO. Absolutely. Tears for Fears, an English pop rock band formed in Bath, England in 1981. Can anybody name the members of Tears for Fears? I, I'm going to kick myself when you say them because I, I, but I have no, Kirk is one named Kirk or something. Um, You're close. I, I Just like Gary and Axel F., I um I'm today years old when I found these out. I don't think I've ever seen or heard these names. Roland Orzabal and Kurt Smith. Oh, Tears for Fears. Such staying power. I mean, I talk about Waco still plays this day. I was listening to a serious countdown a few months ago where fans that listen to 80s on eight voted on the best songs of the 80s. And I really liked the countdown because it wasn't like your normal 80s covers the same songs at the top because Betty Davis I spent nine weeks at number one physical spent 10 weeks at number one it was the songs that like today people associate with the 80s and this was the number four song I believe it was top five so a lot of staying power and people that weren't even alive during that time still love it yeah I mean a little bit different sound a little bit different formation of their music um songs just a little bit different, but man, what what great songs and just monstrous hits. MTV loved these guys. Well, I kind of want to move on to my next one. Howard Jones is the next uh, guy I wanted to play. What do I, you two know me as well as anybody in the world, what do I always say about Howard Jones? Most underrated artist of the 80s or something like that? I still stand by <laughs> that, that he is the, and if I could find the song, that would even I, go I, really I'm well. I'm glad to listen to that one again, though. <laughs> yeah, we can keep going if you want. I don't care. Oh, this is really good, too, though. Yeah. Howard Jones is just a little bit Waco. I'm sure Dave Krask spun this song a few times. Coming at ya, W-A-K-O on a Tuesday morning. Don't forget that 595 T-Bone dinner <laughs> at the candlelight. When I get to lose it all, security through the I've never been to the candlelight. What? I've never been there. The Baldwin family were big candlelight goers. (laughs) Great song. Our listeners have to be just in disbelief that I've never seen Beverly Hills Cop 1, 2, or been to the candlelight. Yeah, that's crazy. I'm shocked, and I've known you (laughs) nearly your entire life. 
Well, I could listen to this all night, but I'm going to move on through. <laughs> Hell, let's just move listen on to through it. and start with, uh, of course, one of the most popular events in all of Lawrence County. The lead off June is always the Lawrence County Open at the Lawrenceville Country Club. Oh, yeah. I love, I, I always love digging through these scores. Mm-hmm. Well, I wish I could say the same this time. Uh oh. I got to going through it, and I never heard of one guy that made the top. It was only they only played that showed the top ten in each of the. Uh, the let me flights. see. If, let me see if I can guess. Uh, Don Allenball. Had no, I was going to say the Allenballs have to be at the top. I think Allenball <laughs> was in the top something. John Blickenstaff actually won at Martinsville. Uh, From Martinsville, Indiana, or Illinois. I think it was Illinois. Okay. Wonder if he knows that but Bertram not, kid. <laughs> but, but but not one name in the top ten of any flight. I didn't recognize one name. Of wow. course, you know, you see some of these guys. Way, way to go, Lawrence County golfers. Because back then, I mean, I noticed they still get some out, but it was like so, it was such a big tournament. You'd get people from everywhere would well, come in. And, and still, I believe to this day, I know in, up until, you know, like 15, 20 years ago, Terre Haute brings half the field. Because that's where Allen balls are from, aren't they? Aren't I, they? I believe yeah. so. Yeah. Um, yeah. But no Greg Dykus, no... No, when Jamerson, so Joe Dillard. Dillard's, you're no talking Dillard. about up at the top or just not at all? Well, the the paper only listed the top ten, uh, okay, of each flight. So nobody yeah. that I knew of finished in the top ten. Yeah, because usually flight. once you get in the A, Bs, and Cs, you start getting more of the Lawrence County names in there, and still, I mean, it was still people from all over finishing top yeah. ten. You know, Jeff Moore was dominating that C flight. He has for a lot of years. <laughs> I think when I think of Jeff Moore, that's what I think of. He's not, he's been in that C flight for a long time. I remember one of our good friends, Lance Smith, talking about a round he played in the Lawrence County Open, and he got the shank so bad he said he completely circled <laughs> the number two green to the right. Oh, gosh, that'd be miserable. <laughs> I bet he had a good time doing it. Who wants to talk about Babe Ruth baseball? I do. You were well, on do. this team, weren't you, Brian? Uh, the 85 Bulldogs? No, I would. I think I was an assistant coach. That was the okay. year with Jerry Leg, and that was my been my first year out, maybe. But yeah. Well, your name wasn't mentioned, yeah. but it doesn't look like you were on the Legion team either. I'll no, I didn't. Like I didn't. <laughs> I didn't play Legion ball. I think until the next year. I think I took. I'll get the, more into that later. Took the summer off well, to concentrate on wine, women, and song. There you go. Well, the Babe Ruth baseball season got kicked off in June, and it wasn't a whole lot of coverage, to be honest with you. First games of the season with Ea Whitmer. Came over to Bridgeport for a doubleheader to play the Merchants in Game 1 and the Bulldogs in Game 2. I thought that was kind of a neat idea. Whoa. I like that. Whitmer pounds the Merchants 16-1. to 1. Really? The Bulldogs and the, and, um, and the Bulldogs of E.L. Whitmer played to a 7-7 tie before it got dark. The Merchants were led by Ed Zachary, Sean Potts, and Brad Wells. All recorded singles. Like I said, the Bulldogs and Whitmer were called due to darkness at the Tank Farm, and they're going to resume later in the month. No follow-up in the day record on this game. Hmm. But the Bulldogs were led by Kevin Tucker and Stacey Moore, both with two hits in their first game of the season. Yeah, that's. It. I was definitely an assistant coach that year, um, which I may or may not report on during my August uh, coverage. But <laughs> Kevin Tucker and I, who were both in the class of 87, he always laughs that I was at one time his coach. There you go. Game two for the Bulldogs, Stacy Moore went the distance to defeat the Lawrenceville National Bank 6-4 at the Tank Farm. Stacy gave up show sponsor Stacy Moore gave up four runs on seven hits. 
for Circa all 11. for all your financial needs, see People State Bank. Yeah, three walks though. Rusty Wells picked up two hits for the Bulldogs. Other hits for the Bulldogs were Kevin Tucker, Jimmy Worth, and Lance Smith. A who's who of Bridgeport natives. Got another report on the Bulldogs. They defeated People's National Bank 8-7. to seven. Actually, I'm sorry. Error. We were Uh-oh. defeated <sighs> by People's National Bank 8-7. to seven. Sam Fitch outdueled Steve Wagner. Bulldogs led 5-1 to one early. Jimmy Worth had a good game, going 3-for-3 three three with three doubles. Other notables again, Brad Wells and uh, Wagner, Tucker, and some guy named Burks. Who would that have been? Uh, D. D. Burks. I saw his D. name Burks. in the in the in the, okay. in the in the August. Yep. Uh, I played alongside D. Burks for a season. Yeah, I, they, I thought I knew that name. I he, couldn't think of the first name. If I remember right, they moved in, um, maybe about that time. That that may not be right, but that seems like. Did D. ever go to school at Red Hill? I mean, his dad still lives in the Red Hill. Daryl still lives in the Red Hill district, but like, I don't ever remember D. ever go. So I don't know if it was just like a. I don't know. I, I don't know. I never remember D. I, if he went to school, it wasn't for very long. I don't yeah. think. June nineteenth, Emergence play had a game against Gray's Wholesale. Lost three to two. Sean Potts pitched a pretty good game, but just came out on the losing end. Neil Pageant also came in and pitched a little bit. Merchants were led in hitting by Pageant, Brad Allspaw, and Todd Hardacre. Not the not Doug's son, but the one the class. He's a class of eighty seven or eight. Class eighty seven. Well, eight. Uh, he yeah. He was in eighty seven. <laughs> Angie's right. brother. Yeah. Yeah, Sandy's brother. So the only other uh, ball game I wanted to report on this one is this one was really tough. Um, Merchants. I don't even know if I have down who they were playing, but they lost 28 to one. Oh. Neil Padgett took the loss, give up 20. <laughs> Neil gave up 20 runs on 14 hits and two innings of work. <laughs> oh, I thought it was going to be like, over, I thought they made go all seven innings. I didn't know. I, I would have, I would have bet you that the Bulldogs and the Merchants were both good that year. Obviously I am way Merchants off. had a lot of good players. Yeah. Todd, Todd Hardaker gave up the final eight. Uh, Larchville National Bank scored 18 runs in the second inning. Anytime your pitching line says you gave up the final eight, it's not yeah. good. <laughs> yeah, so uh, that means there was up. there was another eight. <laughs> the the merchants were one hit the game. Uh, Pageant did get the only hit, and he knocked in Terry Miller, who had reached on an error. When I think of the merchants of that era, I think of Terry Miller. I mean, he's my oh, yeah. Terry he's Miller, my merchants connection. He's Chuck's younger brother, correct? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Terry and Jerry. Twins. Okay. So yeah, Terry and Jerry Miller. I think I've reported on this one before, but uh, so. towards the end of the month, Mandy Cunningham was named to the U.S. National Award winner in basketball, nominated by Richard Dixon. So both of those have had their own podcast. Yeah, so far, go back so. in the archives, listen to those two of our finest episodes, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. But um, Mr. Dixon uh, felt that Mandy was uh, worthy of this award, and she sure was. Less than uh, 10% of all high school and junior high students in the entire nation uh, were even named to this. So I was nice not. little award for for Mandy. Jim? Hey, I want to play another song, if that's okay. Anybody I, want to hear another song? I do. I, I want to hear a song. June of 85. How about let's go to In My House by the Mary Jane Girls. Sounds very 85. Lots of uh lots of synthesizer to intros to songs in this year. 
just soak in the Mary Jane girls. I was actually in the same, I have to, I have to share my, if you're going to bring up Mary Jane girls, I'm going to share my story. I was in the same building as them. Um, I'm, I'll talk about in July. I was gone. Most of our, my family took a vacation out West and we toured NBC studios and there was a variety show, Smokey Robinson variety show. You, you can find it on YouTube. Um, they were recording that morning that we were taking the tour of NBC studios and um, we actually couldn't go in the studio where they were recording their performance, but like on a TV outside of the studio, the Mary Jane girls were performing this song like for the, so the, so people that thought it was a live Friday night show, no, they were recording at nine in the morning is when they were <laughs> recording their uh, their piece. But yeah, I actually saw Sm- Smokey pass me in the hallway. It's like one of my biggest oh, wow. celebrity encounters ever. Holy Walked cow. right by us. Mary Jane Girls, uh, R&B, soul, and funk group, uh, pro- popular in the 80s. They were the protege of Rick, Pointer Sisters. Rick Super Freak James. <laughs> they want this the one-hit wonder? Well, it says they are known for their hits In My House, of course, this one. All Night Long, Candy Man, yeah. and their cover version of Walk Like a Man. Yeah, probably maybe a little more on the R&B charts. I think this was the biggie, right? Yeah, oh yeah. They all had nicknames as I'm looking up. Joanne Jojo McDuffie, Cheryl Ann Cherry Bailey, Candace Candy Gant, Kimberly Maxie Wuletic, and Yvette Corvette Marine. What a name that is. So that's where Yvette Hutchings got her nickname from. I guess so. That's what I was thinking. I thought she was the first. <laughs> she was not. The Mary Jane Girls. Well, let's move on to one that wasn't a one-hit wonder. Okay, I know where we're headed here. I'm not sure if this is Genesis or Phil Collins, but big hit in 1985 in June was Sue Sue Studio. Well, I keep playing Brian Adams, so I've hit the wrong Well, you button. can play that too because that was my other okay, song. Okay, let's just go straight to Brian Adams' heaven. Then we'll go to Sue Sue Studio. I'm sure this is played. I think there may have been a junior high dance that this is probably played at. Oh, about yeah, there definitely was. We'll get to that in a little bit. There was only you and me. Hey, when I think of Brian Adams, I think of one person that's David King. <laughs> Which we didn't mention. David King not here. Of course, he's in the farms uh, running that empire we called King Farms. But he, he'll he probably be back in maybe not the next episode, but for sure the one after that. Let's listen to Brian Adams. Let's just take us home, bro. That just screams of teenage hormones right there. Then we'll go to the one you mentioned, Gary. This is Phil from the No Jacket Required album, which is so many hits from that album. I watched, uh, not too long ago, I watched a uh, documentary on Genesis. What an interesting evolution that that band had. From a prog rock, weird costumes and all that to yeah. just mega pop hits. I know everybody knows Phil Collins. Everybody knows he's a superstar, but I still think his career is a little bit underrated. I mean, if you look from the entire decade, from 80 to 89 and into the 90s, I mean, with Genesis and solo and duet duos and duets. and Yeah. As, this, There's hardly anybody better. This song entered frequent rotation on MTV in May 
And by the 6th of July, both the single and the album reached number one on the respective Billboard charts, and the song peaked at number 12 on the UK singles charts. Did you have the chip? You bought the whole album? You didn't just have the single? No, I... I did not. I, I didn't have this single or the album. I bought some of the singles from this album, but uh, no. Okay. I actually listened to the album recently on just on YouTube Music just because I'd never listened to the other songs. I was going to quiz you on what the B-side was if you had the 45. No, I wouldn't know. The Man with the Horn. It's a pretty good album. Very good. I'm going to keep my uh, great album. I want to keep my theme with baseball here. I'm going to move on to a semi-professional baseball. Brian, you're an alum of the Bridgeport Bucks, I believe, aren't you? I played one or two games, uh, filled in one time. I remember remember that one time you were playing Vincennes and you literally pulled a guy off the street (laughs) to play right field. He looked just like Jesus. He he wasn't even from Bridgeport. He was literally a guy. I, I don't know. I believe Mike Ray was either, I think he was, playing or managing i think mike played and like i don't know if it was him or one of the other guys just i don't know if the guy had a glove he had on jeans i know that (laughs) anyway they pulled him out of the crowd to play right field hell of an arm rick Rick rucker pitched a six hitter and struck out five but it wasn't enough as the bucks lost to crawford county eight to one dropped bridgeport to one eight and one on the season the report said the team recently picked up Jim Baker, who last pitched in Triple A last year. Holy so that was cow. a great pickup for the Bucs. <laughs> yes. They aren't going to be 1 8 and 1 for long. <laughs> Other notables on the team were uh, Dave Pink and Doug Grismer mentioned in the article. How was that team 1 8 and 1? Well, they got a guy who looks like Jesus playing right field. <laughs> <laughs> kind of how it went back then, I guess. But uh, big movies in the. June of 1985, some that we've probably maybe seen. Rambo First Blood Part 2 came out in, uh, right there in June of 85. What a movie. And I didn't have this song play because I know Brino hates Duran Duran, but A View to a Kill was out, and of course, Duran Duran's song. Yep, I also, because it was number one in July, I also stayed away from it for that same reason. Yes, yeah, so- Thanks, I don't. I, well, I I still have not figured out what I have a problem with in Duran Duran. It I think it's like, I think I've narrowed it down to maybe I don't feel like their uh, their songs are very sing alongable. Maybe I don't know. I just you need to ride along in a car with me more often then because I sing at the top of my lungs to Duran Duran. I'll throw you guys a bone here. <laughs> oh, thank you. This is a James Bond movie, I believe, right? Yeah, yeah I think you're by the same name. Yes. See, you're bopping your head to it. See, then I, I, voice. see when then he comes in, it just kills it all. I don't know. I just, <laughs> just melted when I heard him start singing. Ugh. I hate Duran Duran. <laughs> I hate Duran Duran. I like, and you know me, I like every genre of music oh, yeah. all kinds Frank of music Sinatra, i all of it i don't like duran duran music and i don't like old time rock and roll by bob seger <laughs> so if you don't like it then start your own podcast <laughs> you know something else in the 80s too is like these songs were made for these movies and the videos were clips of the movies and oh i still love that that was so awesome well there's one on the countdown that i'll talk about later what was the uh, the uh, what was the song called? The one where Tina Turner says "Beyond Thunderdome." Mad Max. 
Yeah. Oh, we don't need another hero. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, wow. Oh, that's a good song. No, oh, it's 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 all right. I'm I I don't hate Duran Duran. I just you know they're not my favorites. Well, I mentioned Chip Jamerson earlier. Chip's picture was in the Daily Record. Oh, good job, Chip. What was I? I can't probably what I would have been doing in June of '85 with my picture in the paper. I'm gonna guess he bought a he uh, caught a big bass. <laughs> nope. <laughs> oh, <shoot>. <laughs> <laughs> Chip was pictured in the Lawrenceville First Christian Church for the membership preparation class. Okay. He was joined yeah. by Ellery James, Kale Grismer, and Benji Wallace. Oh, okay. Membership Amongst... preparation class. Yes. Okay. Yes. Chip, tell hmm. us about your time in membership preparation class. I don't remember that at all. <laughs> I mean, obviously, I'm very familiar with all those people. I went to church with them for years, but I don't remember that class. Hmm. Well, if you want to search for June of 85, all right. June 11th, yeah. you'll see your picture. Okay. My wedding anniversary, my eventual wedding date. Oh, damn. Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> Popular date. I bet if you uh, would have been thinking, you would have ran over to the Candlelight Restaurant and got a hot cake, an egg, and uh, either bacon or sausage and coffee for a buck ninety-nine. after that class. Let's talk a little bit about Lawrence County swimming team. Tana Holtz has to be mentioned in this. But she's the first word I wrote down here. Thank Tana you. and Sonia Holtz. Of course, they had a pool in their backyard to practice. True. They're both winners in the swim meet versus Mount Carmel. Let's see. We had uh, Sonia Holtz also was a member of the Girl Scout Troop 404. Was selected to attend the Wyoming Trek in Sleep, Wyoming. So good work, Sonia. Wow. Your, Lots of travel coming your, up. I got a good travel Girl story. Scouting. We know what the end of June brings to Bridgeport. The Lions Jamboree. Oh, oh yes. Big time. Annual event held at Lanterman Park. Going to feature Tuesday night Little League Baseball. Wednesday night Horse Show. Thursday night Little League Baseball. <laughs> Friday looked. night Horse Show. <laughs> <laughs> this sounds, this sounds riveting. A three-wheeler mud race is what they title oh, it on wow. Saturday night. Now, Chip, I, remember, I always think of you. I saw this picture and probably haven't seen this picture since probably 1985. But the Daily Record had an article about the carnies. They were actually oh, yes. were calling them carnies. And the famous picture of the... The carny shower. The carny shower. That I was saw, in the... Okay, I figured that was a Bridgeport Leader picture. No, so that, that was, was Daily... Oh, I got to look a, for that. Yeah, so that was... The, I was... I'm like, oh my... I just... We I don't know why we talked oh, about that all the time. For years, we talked about that. <laughs> like, you saw it... You think you saw it in this newspaper and, and that's what... Yeah, we definitely we know you saw the newspaper. Yeah. I can see the picture right now. <laughs> yes. Okay, so let's go through this. What exactly, describe to me, and I'm not sure if we're supposed to use the word carny anymore, but we're going to take a chance here. What is a carny shower? Basically, it's, you know, they live, they're living in campers and tents, and but they're literally, you take a, a garden hose, oh, nice. and that's how you wash off. Lovely. And that was the picture in the paper. See, I was picturing, you know, um, you know, them all bringing a carny gifts and sitting around eating finger sandwiches and giving, <laughs> having a little party. That's not that kind of shower. Okay. Oh, okay. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. If I hear anything about carny or carnival workers today, I mean, that term pops in my mind right away. A carny shower. 
So I have a feeling, you know, back in the mid eighties, even to the late eighties, when we played outside a lot, that's where you drank your water from. So I'm assuming there was lots of carny shower jokes when we were taking drinks. Oh, yeah, water I'm, hoses, sure, I'm, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm just going to, I'm just going to go out on a whim here and guess the attire for a carny shower is, is cut off jeans. I, the picture was a little grainy, but I can't imagine. That's that. what I picture. Yeah, <laughs> like the kind where like it's real frayed at the bottom. Exactly, and, it's and like, frayed. It's yeah. about high thigh. Like your pack of your pack of smokes has worn a <laughs> worn a spot in your pocket. <laughs> Let's talk some Red Hill uh, Red Hill school events and yes. okay. school board meetings and stuff like that. I'm going to start with stuff. school board meeting a little bit. And we're gonna. Then I'll backtrack just a little bit, but some of the things I wanted to mention from the June school board meeting, um, everybody remembers IO. I can't remember what that stands for now. But Inter IO interrelated the, occupation. There you go. But the what, board, I'm sorry, the Chip. What is interrelated <laughs> occupation? <laughs> the board actually voted to allow co-op students to work for their parents. Oh, came as a recommendation from Gary Huber. Um, I thought it was going to come the, come of a recommendation from Steve Moore. No, no, no. <laughs> Mr. Huber brought this up and the board voted, they voted and accepted that. The board also accepted the resignation of Norma Staver. Ah, uh, I liked her. So in June of 85, very uh, nice lady. Her, her last uh, school year. Was so that she, she went out with my class. My, we just finished sixth grade. I was not in her class, but yes. So her, her husband class was uh, the class of 91. Husband Bob and son David, who a uh, longtime uh, Vincent Sun commercial editor, were very good snooker players. Big time uh, billiard style player. Okay. At the time of retirement, she was the part time sixth grade teacher and a part time librarian at the K56 Center. The board accepted a bid of $36,126 for the 1985 building trades home purchased by Norma and Gerald Cook. Oh, I thought the Stavers were going <laughs> to. I did too. I thought, we, I thought we had back to back Staver <laughs> stories. So that. I'm not sure which house that would have been. That's though. the one. That's the one there by where uh, Tommy Tool lived. I believe. Okay. Yeah, I think it was on that street. Whatever that street would be behind the Presbyterian Church. I'm pretty sure that's where the Cooks moved. I could be wrong on that, but I think that's right. Board also approved Amy Huff's request to take the pom pom team to Charleston for a camp. So seems, seems pricey, sure. but okay. The board was going to allow transportation, a school bus to take the girls up there. Okay. Let's get into the big, the big event of June of 85. We started in the June of 85 and went on a little bit further. First published in the data record on Friday, June the 7th, 1985, Red Hill Junior High Dance Incidents Prompt Unit 10 Special Board Meeting. Uh-oh. District Trend Board will hold a special meeting on Monday, June the 10th, beginning at 7 p.m. to discuss incidents that occurred at a dance held last week for Red Hill Junior High students, according to a source involved with the school board activities. Official notice of the meeting reads that it is to discuss a complaint against an employee. And I believe, Chip, you went to this dance, didn't you? Yeah, I was at this dance. Uh I was not in junior high at that time. It was the end of the year, eighth grade dance um, for seventh and eighth graders at the junior high, of course, the sixth graders went to the K five, six center. And, but a special treat was they invited the sixth graders to this dance as kind of a welcome to junior high, which was great. We'd never, you know, we didn't have any fifth and sixth grade dances. I'd never been to any kind of dance before. So it was very, very exciting. I was there and it's a memorable night. As you um, play some of those songs earlier, Heaven by Brian Adams, I, I had, 
I had a few slow dances that night, but I know I slow danced to that song, Heaven. Um, Do you remember who bring our own music? Oh, I brought wow. thing, I brought things can only get better by Howard Jones. I brought the forty five for that. Oh wow! Uh, there didn't seem to be a real DJ there because I remember I was like I went up on the stage and David Schubert was up there playing the music and like I was kind of wondering oh. like okay when are you gonna play my Howard Jones and like it was like it never got played it was way too far down the list hmm. but that was a see I am I right he's the most underrated act of the eighties yeah. Schubert's so, proven it. Lots of good memories that night, and I know, but I know you got more to add, and I've got some things I could add later on uh, about this well, dance. And you, you may think, why would this get a special board meeting? And there's probably some people listening may know, some people may have never heard this story or forgotten about it. But incidents at the dance revolved around several students reprimanded for allegedly drinking either before or at the dance. The principal of Pine at the junior high was Warren Miller. <laughs> Some questions have been asked concerning the number of students drinking, but Miller said there were three, possibly four students who either had been drinking before the dance or were somehow drinking during the dance. Hmm. They were all eighth graders, and that was the day before their graduation. The students' parents were called, he said, and they came to get them. According to the source from within the school, the students were given an in-school suspension and were allowed to graduate. Okay. Because of the timing of the incident, reprimanding the students was difficult, Miller said. Had it been any other time, other action would have been taken, more appropriate action, he added. The penalties would have been much, much more severe had the time element been different. According to school rules, things could have been up to a 10-day suspension or maybe even expulsion. There were 11 chaperones of the dance, Miller said, including himself. He added in the early hours of the dance. Dance went from 7 to 10 p.m. In the phone interview earlier this week, before the board had decided to call a special meeting, Superintendent Gene Moore had little information concerning the alleged drinking and action taken against the students involved. He said, well, it's quite a story. We have some things we're discussing at this time, he said, but added, at this present, that's all I'm, I'm at liberty to talk about. Wow. In notifying the day record, the special meeting, Moore said it is to clear up questions surrounding the incident. He said Monday night should at least provide some clarity to that. The drinking incident was a surprise to Miller. This is an epidemic type of thing nationwide, he said, but I was surprised because we had not had this kind of problem. There was no way we can know, he added, we cannot uh, conduct pat-down search of any type. According to uh, Lawrence County Sheriff Eddie Ryan, he said all they would have done was take the students in and call their parents anyway. Bridgeport Police Chief Rick Slunicker also said he had uh, not heard of any problems at the dance. So I'm sure Chip came home and he had heard something about it. I can tell you. Well, um, so at this time, I really didn't know any of this was going down until near the end of the dance. We started, it, things got kind of crazy at the end of the dance, but like kids getting kind of escorted out. There's like a lot of commotion going on. Like the normal dance vibe was definitely changing near the end. I know one person, and I, I contacted anonymously told me that her memory of that was she was dancing with Jason Grismer. And as she was dancing with Jason Grismer, she saw one of the chaperones um, escorting a boy out of the gym and um, kind of forcing him out of the building, kicking him out of the dance, basically. Um, 
She doesn't really remember anything else, but she remembers a lot of anger between the, the person getting kicked out and the chaperone at that time. Uh, was pickled. Was, yeah, I was going to sure, say, he was <laughs> drunk. What the hell you think? I'm sure, I, I'm sure heaven was playing while Jason and this um, anonymous source were having uh, that slow dance. She remembers just being in total shock um, that this happened. Um, I rode home, um, I know with uh, Coach Ray being one of the, um, you know, being a teacher and coach in the district and so forth, he came in and kind of helped out with things to, you know, he was there to pick us up. So I rode home with the Rays. They they were my uh, ride home. We carpooled. So I got a little more information on the way home just because he went in to see if there's anything he could do to help out or anything. I, I've heard some people say they were doing it under, under the bleachers, kind of going behind the bleachers and, and drinking is where uh, some of it was happening. A but. report that I did some, uh, uh, some of our interns did some background information uh fact finding on this and the report that I got that it it was quite possibly cherry vodka under the bleachers. Uh oh really you got that I got a report from a, from a person that was in eighth grade at that time who also called it uh the cherry vodka night was what um, oh, okay. he referred to it as so that's that two sounds stories. Pretty, sounds pretty factual there. Yes. Yeah I think we've uh, I think I think the staff narrowed it down to that was the drink of choice. Uh and you mm. know I, obviously, this was a big deal back then. I feel like today that would be a monumental if if your eighth grader was was drinking at a dance. Well, I think that's kind of what happens here. So let's fast forward to Monday night now. So we have a special board meeting. Okay. Does the uh, board hears both sides of the Red Hill Junior High drinking incidents? Red Hill Community Unit School District 10 board members met in closed session for about two hours Monday night to discuss the complaint against an employee. After the closed session, board president Dwayne Scott said the board also discussed to a certain degree activities that occurred at the Red Hill Junior High dance. Warren Miller, principal of Red Hill Junior High School and several students were reprimanded, said several students were reprimanded for having drank alcohol before the dance or drinking during the dance. Mm. Sixth graders like young Chip Jamerson, all the way through graduating eighth graders, were invited to the May 29th event. Said over 150 students were there. Wow. Huge crowd. Yeah. Again, chaperoned by 11 adults. According to Don Cook, who at the time was a unit 10 assistant superintendent, some of the teachers at the junior high and other concerned parties were disappointed with the way alleged drinking incidents were handled. Some people, Cook said, thought maybe we should have been a little more stern with these kids. Several staff members from the junior high were present and involved in the closed session activities. Also present at the board meeting was the Illinois Education Association representative, oh, my. Larry Bell, Uniserve Director for the IEA NEA, was also contacted by membership about a situation that might affect Miller's job. Oh, He was there to monitor the situation for the IEA, he said, because a situation had arisen which could affect Mr. Miller's employment. Wow. Bell noted the special meeting probably minimized the rising tensions and may have cleared up for a, may have cleared up a few questions. He added that though the issues were important, he thought the incident had been blown out of proportion. Superintendent Gene Moore stressed that the sole purpose of the meeting was to discuss the dance with the junior high people and let them let them hear and realize there were two sides to the story. Miller said he felt good about the meeting. I think the action was positive on my behalf, he said. Scott said after the closed session, we have learned better how to communicate and how we will uh, communicate together, better together. The board, he added, will discuss future activities that are held uh, for the students. Probably in the future, we will give much more thought to these things. 
Issues such as chaperones present at dances would be monitored, he noted, because incidents at the Red Hill Junior High dance seem to necessitate greater supervision. Now we've kind of got a big old deal here, right? Yeah. I mean, you got people, people coming upset. from the state talking about Warren P. Miller. So basically, the Jews, now we're going to go to the to the end of the June school board meeting. And, of course, the principal, Warren Miller, at this time requested the board buy out his contract for $40,000, about $40,095. So do we? Uh, is this the straw that broke the camel's back, you think, or was this all centered because of this dance? We're going to get there. Okay, I'm sorry. The board denied the buyout, and Miller said there's no harm in asking. It'll save me $10,000. It was just a long shot in the dark. Miller denied his request had anything to do with the complaint letter okay. that, the special, that led to the special school board meeting. The complaint was the handling of the drinking incidents during the dance, of course. He said, I'm eligible to retire, and I want to, and I want to retire. He said that he talked to the Gene Moore about, the, about that already. Because the board voted against the buyout, Miller would be have, have to pay ten thousand dollars to get out of his contract. That's kind of where my story ends. Wow. This continues though. So Chip, I'm going to pass it on to you now for the for what happens next. And, and just a few other um, things about I, because we had brought this up on the uh, site on the Facebook page last year for a little bit. It stayed for a little bit. I ended up taking it down, but um, a person was a seventh grader at that dance does confirm the booze were under the bleachers. I'm reading that PM right now. So, um, whereas another seventh grader contacted me, who was seventh grade at that time and had no idea this even happened. I mean, went through the whole dance and everything. Didn't even know that that this, that this event even happened. So there was no fun. It was just an array of like, uh, and I don't know if I would have, if I wouldn't have gone with the Rays, if I would have had as much insight. I mean, I think I, I eventually heard more, but, oh, yeah. um, but, know, but being with the know, Rays yeah, that night helped um, get get some um, information. I, I remember one story told me that a, a young man that was in eighth grade was um, his boot was bringing some bottles in in his boot. <laughs> <So> <laughs> that was how they were sneaking them into the, uh, into the dance. Ward Miller said you can't pat him down. So, yep. Um, so at the July board meeting, this is still something being talked about. It was a very well-written uh, board meeting story by Chris Pearson. Um, it was a long, tiring trip with a lot of decisions to be made. And in the end, they didn't, and in the end, they didn't accomplish all they wanted to get done. They, it, it was such a long meeting. Pizza was brought in that night for the, um, board members. Pizza I house? Assume, I'm assuming pizza house. They did not mention I'm assuming Chris Goff probably brought that down right down the road to, um, it says finishing the pizza was easy, but the hard part came when bids and filling the vacancy left by the retirement of Red Hill Junior High's principal had to be decided on. Um, So we, Gary left off about the, uh, he was denied the buyout at the last board meeting. A little review on things here. He's eligible for early retirement option. According to the law at age 55, a teacher's entitled to a retirement figure equal to 135% of his last year's contract of the total amount, which will be determined by the state. Uh, Miller will incur a 35% loss while Unit 10 will pay the other 100%. Unit personnel estimated satisfying Miller's contract would cost around $30,000. So if the board had accepted Miller's request last month, they would have footed the entire cost. So it talks about his final had, had been kind of marred by this, this dance. It said they're missing nearly 200 students at the dance now. Uh, they've upped it from 150. <laughs> 150 yeah. um, so it said several. I think that we're just saying three or four. Now they've a month later, several. several students of that 200 
uh, were drinking before and during the dance. They talk about the special meeting and so forth. Lots of moving parts on this on this dance, and and uh, it it brought brought the end to the Warren P. Miller tenure. So he was granted uh, the early retirement. And here's where my, I I know I have a pretty good memory on things. But this is one thing where I know my memory does not. I remember I've always told people that Mr. Miller was my principal in seven. I mean, in recent years, obviously back then I didn't think he was my principal. I had forgotten about that. I thought I had Mr. Miller for a principal in seventh grade, but I guess I didn't because he has resigned the summer going into my seventh grade year. So I assume the person that Brian will talk about in August was my principal for both years of seventh and eighth grade. Uh, I knew he wasn't my eighth grade principal, but I thought I had him in seventh grade. So basically um, the resignation this early re- resignation's been accepted. Miller does say that he his resignation has nothing to do with this dance incident. It's something he's been thinking about for a while. And I think most people, even some people I've talked about researching this episode, have thought that um, it's 100%. They, the dance was the reason that led to this. If this ha- hadn't happened at the dance, that he would have still been the principal there. But he claims he has some other things that uh, he was interested in doing and was ready to get out of education. It just was kind of coincidence that the yeah. dance happened at the same time. Yeah, We're going to August now. Yeah, I was just say the August 9th uh, uh, newspaper talks about the board meeting that happened and the board approved July twenty fifth meeting minutes, making official the installment of Dennis Kimmel as principal at Red Hill Junior High School, and Mike Cummins would move up to principal at Washington and Petty. Kimmel, who was principal at Washington and Petty last year, has been an assistant principal at the high school, will earn $28,800 during his 11-month contract. He replaces Warren Miller. Miller was granted early retirement last month by the board. Cummins, who's going to take over Washington and Petty, is going to bring home 26 large for a, for a year. Nice. Right, so. so are we ready to go into July a little bit here? Let's go. Okay, so a few things I'll go over here. So we'll just start with a little bit of music. Uh, Susudio, I had that song too, Gary. So that did lead oh. off. That was number one in July. So we got that covered already. Um, a song that was stalled at number two, one of my favorite songs from this artist. It stalled at number two behind Susudio and Viewed to a Kill. Uh, so it wasn't able to make it to the number one spot, but uh, definitely a song that just sounds like the summer of 85 from Prince Raspberry Beret. Great song. I about brought this into it too. I just saw a Prince cover band a few weeks ago in Washington. Okay. Really good. At Purples? What's that? Did they play at Purples? No, they. Uh, it was a part of the community art series. It was at the high school oh, okay. auditorium. Be, I mean, it would be fitting to play Oh, yeah, Purples, absolutely. <laughs> um, yeah, without question. A kid was hot back then, Prince and the Revolution. All right, and I just had one other song for now, and then there might be some one that pops up during the uh, during the a wedding or so. But um, a big movie that summer in July um, was Goonies, and song from it was a top ten hit, not one of her bigger hits, but still a top. No, it was still it went to number ten, peaked at ten. Not one that she played a lot live. This is not a song, I guess, that Cindy was proud of. Mm-hmm. I love this song. I forgot I about this song. You don't hear this song. No. Long, so I thought it'd be a good one to add to um, re- refresh people's memory. So this is Goonies are good enough. I know during the Goldbergs, it is played on a Goldbergs episode in season one, the one where they do the Goon- they uh, kind of re- redo the Goonies. So 
it was great to hear it on that. But let me turn this up for a second. I bet a lot of people forgot this song. I know I did. Originally, this song was just called Good Enough. But you'll notice she never says Goonies are good enough in the song. Right. But Spielberg really kind of coerced her into, he made her like a, gave her a title in the credits of like a music producer for the movie. Oh, really? But I think part of it was he wanted this song called Goonies are good enough. Yeah. Um, so just to probably draw more people to the theater. I had. that word Goonies in the forefront of your mind. Yeah. All right. So just a few, uh, a big um, kind of a, a major law change in Illinois came in July 1st, 1985. Um, the seatbelt law, July 1st, 85 is when that was, so there's a lot of articles having to do with that. Um, we know now it's it's very, it, everybody's just used to it now. Yeah. And it's, but back then it was, it was a, you know, a lot of people didn't, it took a while for you know, people to even, uh, the masses yeah. to obey it. Imagine and, that, something that would help humankind and save lives being, being protested can't even can't even imagine that there was a guy that actually said like this is like the biggest infringement of personal freedoms there's ever been talk about the seat belt thing yes right. <laughs> i saw the same article <laughs> yeah and it was uh and chief foster over in lawrenceville he was quoted he he really couldn't give me by a ticket he didn't feel like because he said about 75 percent of the time he can't remember to put the thing on when he's in his, his, yeah. his uh, police car so it's hard for him to go around and give a ticket to somebody for this Obviously, at that time, it would be if you they weren't like going to stop you, but if you were in a wreck or something right. like that or pulled over and you didn't have your seatbelt, you could get fined. But it's now it's commonplace. Kids today can't imagine um, not yeah. having a child right. restraint on from the. Um, but that, that so that was a big story throughout throughout July. And uh, another story in the news in Lawrence County, this was um, July 8th. A big pot bust, one of the biggest in Lawrence County history, they were thinking. Um, since this, I don't think this guy's a Red Hill guy, and I don't know him, I'll put his name out there. John Joyce was arrested uh, up near Billet. Um, what he was doing, he was watering his, he's watering his crop at the time. Oh, and now John man. Joyce was hard to catch because what he did, he would plant these little patches of his um, marijuana in the middle of cornfields. Right. So it was harder to detect. And but what was so impressive about this, uh, Sloniker, Rick Sloniker, Rick, Rick is first, <laughs> Rick Sloniker from um, Bridgeport and Steve Chancellor, they crawled nearly a mile through corn and weeds oh, to my. sneak up on Joyce while he was watering his crop out in the middle of a corn, a mile into a cornfield. You know, so. <laughs> you know, obviously they had probably in a couple of weeks prior gone to see Rambo first blood part yes. two, you know, they, they were had that in their mind as oh, they, they crawled through the cornfield. So I'm picturing, I was picturing, um, Shawshank redemption crawling through the pipes <laughs> is what I was yeah. picturing at this time. But yeah, I mean, what, I mean, Dufresne, it was about, a, was it a mile that he had to crawl, I think, maybe? So yeah, uh, it's very similar. There. So if you want to know, um, so Sloniker and Chancellor could definitely um, sympathize with Andy Dufresne at that time. <laughs> um, I mentioned the school, the school board meeting, that was, basically that was the whole discussion, was the the new, it was Mr. Miller retiring, which um, always good to like learn something I didn't didn't know. Uh, Gary did the where was I at this time. So I, I mentioned a little bit, I would just finish sixth grade. And what was inter one reason I chose July, I was pretty much gone for July. This, I mentioned my family took a trip out West 
And we was like a three week vacation. We did it by car, went to Colorado, Las Vegas, San Diego, Los Angeles, and all the way back. And um, so I was gone all of July. So a lot of this was new to me. I don't think I went back then and read all the daily records. So yeah. it was good to get some information that I was, that was unaware of. Uh, let's see. Um, so baseball obviously is huge in July. The local little league seasons have wrapped up and now it's all-star time. So if you, um, so the, the Bridgeport all-star team are the 11 and 12 year olds selected by the coaches. And uh, they start off in the district tournament or not the district term, the re- kind of a regional term, local term is what they called in the paper. We got to the finals of that local tournament. We're coached by Mike Smith because the union, which was my, well, and when I think of summer of 85, I mean, that, yeah. that little league season is one of my favorite things from my childhood. So that was a big thing in the summer of 85. Uh, so union had just won their second consecutive uh, championship. And so Mike Smith, who uh, was, uh, was named the head coach of the all-star team. And then the bank were runner up. So Doug Hardacre was the assistant coach. And I know Dick Wagner okay. and Mike Ray, who were the assistants to Hardacre and uh, Smith. I know they helped out a lot yeah. on that coaching side. It was a loaded team. I mean, these great athletes, we talk about years down the road. Uh, so just a few of the, I, I won't go over every name here, but uh, we beat Noble six, six, zero uh, Corey Ray went three for three, two hit shutout um, wow. went, went the, went the distance. Uh, Brandon Homer at Lanterman Park. So a familiar site that yep. summer. Um, I, it seemed like almost every time he came to the plate, he was hitting a home run. Um, a lot of them to the opposite field. Yep. Um, but um, Darby Wagner uh, was playing third base. Tommy Halfacre, Gene Allen, they were other hitting stars in that 6-0 win that night. There was even a quote from Mike Smith in Daily Record He's really pleased with the team's overall performance. We've got a game under our belts, and we shouldn't have any more jitters. Okay. So what we do now, so we're we're in the championship game now. And one thing about the like Little League early round tournaments, I wish they were double elimination, but they yeah. seemed like single elimination, which is tough in baseball. But I guess, I mean, that's how you do it in high school. It's single elimination. But yeah. I always like a, I like a good double elimination tournament for baseball. Yeah, I think I think the state tournament was single, yeah. Yeah, so because it, it's that, so we end up going to the finals. Okay. We'd only played one game, and we met Robinson in the finals. Okay. And Robinson would be a thorn in our sides because I know in seventh grade, um, this following, you know, a few months later when we were in seventh grade, they were the teams that knocked us out of the regions. We only had one lot. We were 15 and one, knocked us out of the regionals in basketball. And these same mm-hmm. guys also, unfortunately, knocked out our all star team in baseball. Um, or no, they did. Sorry, I completely, we haven't lost yet. We actually won this game, so oh, okay. you don't have to edit that out. I made a mistake there. We're going to lose eventually, though. So <laughs> I'll talk. You so, did yeah, not. I'll, you did not go to uh, to Williamsport and win the whole thing. Actually, let's see. Oh, maybe, oh, they, maybe did. they did. Maybe they did. I don't... Yes, we did lose to Robinson. Okay, but that was in the districts. Right. There's a game before we get to the districts. Okay, okay. <laughs> so we won the area championship over only a five to one win. And um, Little League, six innings, there's 18 outs. Brandon, 15 strikeouts over wow. six innings. Um, yeah, uh, so struck out all but three of the outs. And playing with Brandon all those years, like I've, I always tell people, I've never, other than wiffle ball, I've never had to swing against the guy in my life because I was always on his team. Yeah. And so it was so nice playing defense behind him because it was pretty much, you knew 
Now, at second base, you may get a little bit hit to you, but uh, if you made contact, it's probably coming my way. But wasn't going to be a ton of action. But yeah, you pretty much knew he's going to strike out, especially once you got to the first three or four hitters in a little league lineup. Um, <laughs> yeah. Pretty much knew five through nine. We're not going to we're not going to hit him. So you could really uh, relax then. Um, so in that, so we uh, won five to one. So won the area championship to advance to districts. Um, uh, let's see, Corey, Gene again, Doug Stevenson, a fan of the podcast. He singled that night. Um, Eric Holtz um, added a run scored. Um, great friend of mine, Scott Piper, tripled that night. Scott was a key member of that all-star team. And um, I admit, back on September 9th, uh, Scott sadly passed away. Yeah. Um, so I know we hadn't mentioned that on the podcast, but um, – yeah, he's a really good friend from even maybe probably before kindergarten. All even times when we would grow apart, um, he was all. But I, if I would see him years later, always had a bond with him. So um, seeing his name kept in these articles really started bringing back more memories about Scott. And I know Gary had a connection with him on the football field as yep. I mean the tight end uh, quarterback, the quarterback to tight end combination. He's one of your yep. main targets on the football field. So Scott greatly missed um, when. I went down his funeral, connected with a lot of people that I hadn't seen for a while. It was unfortunate. It was a um, sad situation like that. But I definitely wanted to – I failed to mention anything on the last episode that we did. But um, so Scott was a key member of this all-star team in all of our sports going through football, baseball, basketball, and then he got wrestling in high school was his main sport. Um so, so this team, then we advance to the districts. I've kind of already given that away. We lose to Robinson in the uh, district semifinals down in Mount Carmel. So it looks like kind of the same path that Gary's team took a couple years later playing down in uh, Mount Carmel at that level. Uh, Corey pitched five innings. Uh, for some reason, I don't have the score of this game. But I guess my only question was, this I, This was about three days after area. Um, it's, a, it's two games. It's a semifinal and a final. Do you pitch Brandon in the semifinals? I don't know. I don't know what the rules are on the are at, on innings limits or things like that, but it's always that tough predicament in baseball because you want him in the championship game, obviously. Yeah. But, but you, you, you don't get there. You, you don't get there. Get you the don't get championship yeah. game. So he obviously would have been more well-rested for that. But, um, but I mean, Corey was a, you know, excellent pitcher as well as he, he threw the shutout in the um, earlier um, the game earlier in the tournament, but um, so yeah, great team. A lot of good 11. I mainly mentioned the 12 year olds, but some good 11 year olds on it. Rob Waller was a key member on that team. Eric Tom, Holtz. Yeah. T- Eric would have been 11. He's in our class, but you would have been 11. Tommy was 11. Yeah. And, uh, some other, Matt McCullough, Scott Murray were some other guys in that team. Do you remember uh, Chip what, back then? Do you remember scuttlebutt on, on not pitching Brandon in the semi? No, not at all. Okay. And I, and like I say, the articles here are not very far apart. So I don't know if we had a lot of rest, but because the July 15th paper talks, so it was probably July 14th was when they beat Olney. And then July, looking at the dates here, July 17th, we played was the Robinson. So it looks like the games were only two days apart. Yeah. So I know there's, there's limits on how many, sure. I think there yeah. were limits, even though we pitched guys like crazy back then, I think there were still some limits on how many, how, how much rest you had to have in between starts. If yeah. you, pitched a certain amount of innings, if you so. had if you had ridden home from the rays or with the rays from the game would you have heard more of the story on the controversy yeah probably so yeah that's a yeah it was great like having the dance in the neighborhood. yes 
So, and I, I was aware of it, but like I say, this, a lot of this is news to me because I was, I was out of state during this. So um, I, I think I got to see him play in some of their August tournaments, but um, I missed all this. I'm like I say, I'm sure I knew about it. So that's kind of the little league report. Gary kind of covered, I didn't really have any Babe Ruth other night. I saw Rusty Wells had a triple. I didn't realize he was a bulldog. That was like one point <laughs> I wanted to make there. So I came into the bulldogs next year after Rusty and a couple of the other guys said, uh, finished Kevin Tucker. I didn't know he was on the Bulldogs. So after they had finished out their uh, tenure on the Bulldogs, I came in and I uh, took one of their uh, uniforms that they had left behind along with Doug Stevenson and Gene Allen and um, Brandon Smith. We came in and uh, as the next year, um, American Legion ball, uh, it was almost all Lawrenceville guys. So I didn't really do much. Shannon Grisma was definitely a key player on that Legion team. Shannon. But other than him, I think it was about 15 Lawrenceville guys and Shannon yeah. on that team. I noticed uh, that too. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think any of these other guys were from Bridgeport. So uh, Shannon had, so let's give Shannon the, the spotlight here. Um, played 26 games that summer of the 29, uh, 97 ABs. I had seven or 17 runs scored Had 20. Uh, it doesn't really have his hits. It's got broken down by, so it looks like about 32 hits, um, hit 330. Um, and then on the pitching mound, uh, Shannon, let's see, he uh, pitched 58 innings that summer, uh, struck out 54, so almost a strikeout per inning, and uh, went five and two. It looks like the team was around like 16 and 13 was their final record. But um, Paul Greentree was Terry's dad, was their coach. But yeah, it's it's all Lawrenceville and, and Shannon there. So why didn't Br- why didn't Brino play? I don't know. I think I was just kind of tired of it after a while after high school season, and uh, I was like my favorite thing. I think about Terry Greentree because I did play. I think maybe the next year, but he still a lot of times I'm watching a baseball game. I hear in my head Terry Greentree saying something I'd never heard any other coach. Do you remember this? I'm sure I've said this. No, before. I'm interested to hear this. Yeah. He, like when you're batting, you know, and you know, you have the guys and chattering and everything. He would he would say this a hundred times a game. All right, Chip, come on now. Say you will. Say you will. <laughs> Said that constantly. Greentree, your age or a year older. Um Terry, let's see, two the, years the, older. The I don't kid know. was two two years older than me, I believe. Yeah, I just remember always seeing his picture. So it must have been eighty five. Because his dad, his in the, the, daily record. the year I played, and his dad coached. He wasn't on the team, but okay. he was. But he played when I was in high school, so I think he was two years older. I remember his prowess in high school. He'd always have his picture. In, you know, it seemed like he was always rounding the bases. Or maybe I remember one daily record article of him rounding the bases, <laughs> and it seems like it was many yeah. articles. But uh, yeah, it was one. Um, so yeah, one will- one Bridgeport Red Hill kid on that team. Um, of course. You can't. T- well, I thought this would be on Brino's report until I started going through the papers, and the 4-H fair was actually in July. I was expecting it to be that fir- the familiar first week in August, but uh, so a little 4-H fair report. I got. I started writing down names, so I wrote down that Neil Heath got a first in lead beef um, for mm-hmm. ages just 15 to 19, mm-hmm. and much Mark deserved. Heath. Mark Heath mm-hmm. got second in lead beef, okay. uh, so oh, they were. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they were dominating that. The younger brother. Uh, out duels the older brother and so i started writing down names and i started like whoa there's like too many names big (laughs) names to write down here i mean it's denise bowser trent masterson daphne devonshire i mean it's like like i started i wish we had neil live on the air right now like i want to know what mark didn't do like what yeah (laughs) Yeah, what made neil shine as lead beef 
<laughs> so I'm not going to go through all these all these names here. I mean, I've got hundreds of names listed, but those were uh, – I know Denise Bowser, like photography or artwork or something, was just like racking up every award you could get. Yeah. Um, and I'm Bowser's are – they're a competitive group, so I'm sure she put 100% into getting those first places. Um, Anita Hull was your, was your queen of the 4-H – of the uh, 4-H fair. Okay. And the, once again, Lawrenceville is really kind of dominating things. Not a lot of Red Hill um, girls were in, were candidates that year. Um, Lori Randall, was she Red Hill? I know there's a Randall, the guy that was the manager no, in the basketball. No, she was Daryl. Yeah, she yeah. was, yeah, not Daryl. Yeah, she was Lawrenceville. Okay, so yeah, I thought maybe she'd be a Red Hill because her name was Randall, but, uh, and there's a Michelle Thacker, which I don't know, but her name's Thacker, so I thought maybe she, but I don't, none of us seem to know her, so. I think, but the good, but Anita, Anita Hull was from Red Hill. Absolutely. Right? Yep. And Anita Hull won the whole thing. So, so hey. while we may have only had one person yeah. on the court, we won it all. I Just think. like Shannon was the star of the Legion team. But, um, so I Red think, Hill's yeah. I think, small numbers, but doing their job. I always think of it, which, yeah, you think of it. I, when I think of the Lawrence County Fair, I think of it as Bridgeport. I guess it's just as much Lawrenceville's as it yeah. is ours, but. Which and and it's very true. I don't know if I've ever thought about Lawrenceville. I did. I don't. I don't think I did at all. But but I know Neil had a lot of Neil had a lot of friends from Lawrenceville because of that fair. So I guess I just and I know if David was here right now, he because a lot of times David will make a connection with a Lawrenceville person. The connection is they knew each other at the four H fair. So I'll take David's part right there that he knew a lot of people from. I couldn't find David's name. In I was going to say, I, I, I doubt that he had that big of a allegiance <laughs> to this fair. I, he, I think he spent a lot of time there. I um, like to say that Dave's barely a farmer. <laughs> <laughs> um, a, a big summer event back at this time had started a couple, maybe a year or two earlier was the big Lawrence County football camp for, um, for the young kids up through junior high. Uh, it was um, uh, coach Reedy from Lawrenceville and coach Evans, did it together. So it was a combination once again of Lawrenceville and Red Hill kids. Yep. And a lot of familiar names there. Uh, Shane Brown won a, I think he's talked about this before, won a Hustle Award. Uh, David Seed was an award winner at that camp. Um, let's see if there's any other. Mike Gray, um, class of 89. So he would have been, he just graduated eighth grade and would have been that, at that dance. Travis Reinhardt. A uh, lot of Lawrenceville kids. John Phipps was there. Alan Stoltz. Um, uh, that's a that's most of the Red Hill kids. Yeah. JJ Gentry, um, but I, did JJ go to? Did he go to Lawrenceville before he went to Red Hill? Because I don't know. Was he always at Red Hill? I don't know. Well, I'm JJ not sure about that. I really don't. Know. Like, I don't really remember him a lot until high school. But either way, he's going to Red Hill in high school, and he's at football camp, and it definitely paid off because yeah. he had a oh, yeah. monster monster career at Red Hill. Um, and of course, if you're in Ju- July, it's the time of weddings. And there were some major weddings going on. So I'll just kind of quickly go through some of the big weddings. Um, Curtis Hankins got married to Tamara Moore, a couple of Red Hill grads. Um, I think, uh, I don't know if she went by Tammy Moore. I know she's Billy Moore's yeah, older sister. Tammy, yeah. But um, she, um, I think she was an 84 grad, maybe. Curtis was an 83 grad. So um, they they were married. And let's see if there's any big names on the on the court for that. Uh, Rick Hussey and Mike Ash were um, were uh, groomsmen in that wedding. Oh so wow! A couple of Red Hill basketball players, fellow class of '83 guys. Yeah. Uh, Kurt, I know. I don't think Curtis played through a senior year, but I remember him playing earlier in his career. And then Jody Polly was the uh, 
maid of honor. Donna Franz and Billy Moore were the bridesmaids. Wow. Oh, so, yeah. So who's so, who? Some, some big names. And, and I did. I got Jerry Lofton, the best man for Curtis Hankins. So oh. it looks like they moved out to California. So if you haven't seen uh, Curtis around for a while, my guess is he went to California in 1985 and is still living out there, would be my guess. Um, I was glad to see this wedding popped up. Um, Debbie Steer from that 81 oh, yeah. 16 team, big fan of the Facebook page on the podcast, actually got married that summer. So always glad to give uh, Debbie a little, uh, some airtime yeah. during the podcast. And a lot of, um, Carrie Ann Dillard was, the, was her maid of honor. And uh, Julie Smith, we've talked about basketball, yep. was the uh, was a bridesmaid, mm-hmm. and then uh, the grooms. She married some guy that wasn't from Red Hill, so no big names on the uh, groomsman side. Um, I do know one song that was just. It looks like Julie Schubert and Mike Ash did a duet of um, "Just You and I." It was a Crystal Gale yeah. and an Eddie, Eddie Rabbit, Rabbit song. So I would have loved to hear. Would have loved to be there for that. Well. I tell you what, the interns, as they were digging up things on that dance, the interns actually dug up this recording from that wedding, if you'd like to so hear somebody it. somebody actually had a recorder. And got, oh, my. So this is Schubert and Ash. This is Schubert and Ash. <laughs> I'm told this is Schubert and Ash. My intern um, yeah, turned this into me. gave it to you. Yeah, so, so I'm gonna, I got to think. So let's, let's take a listen. Just you and I. Just you and I. Beautiful voices. Yeah. Yes, that's. Here comes the beautiful sounds. We can trust each other. Really mesh well. Yeah. With you in my life. I'm gonna turn this up for a second. With you in my life. Anyway. This is a song from a few years earlier, but yeah, so Ash and Schuper are doing a remake of it at the wedding. Hey, I'm gonna ask you guys a question. Um the little peek behind the curtain here. Is this music better on this than it is when I'm playing it on my phone? It yeah. sounds better. The key will be when you stop it, if I can still hear it or not. No, you won't be able to for sure. Okay. Because this is on the uh, this is on the sound pad versus the other ones on my phone. Are we live right now, or do you pause? Yeah. For a okay, <laughs> that's pause. fine. Yeah. If, if you've made it this far, you you've earned a little uh, behind <laughs> yeah. the scenes. We had a little problem you? earlier when I was playing tequila over the story, and it was blasting in their ears, and I could barely yeah, so hear. Yeah. So I was having trouble during the Warren Miller part, it was just like bla- I was having trouble like concentrating on that because <laughs> it was blasting in my ears as I was trying to read through. But yeah, he resigned. It was accepted. Um, <laughs> so. So this is fine, though. Oh, yeah. Yeah, this is fine. Okay. Uh, that, that gives me a... Because, you know, I like to play music underneath the thing, but if it's not going to work, and, and I probably will edit some of this now, out. But. Yeah. It, so, and then a, a few other songs were played. I don't think our interns found these songs, but um, it looks like Ash and Super or a combination. I would say some may have been solos, but uh, Evergreen was played, Time in a Bottle, If... Oh, wow. Um, by I honestly love you. If is my bread, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. <laughs> uh, wedding song, the Lord's Prayer. So we, uh, you know, we're, we're getting married here at the, um, at, uh, at a church, which I do not have the name of that church right now, but there uh, some, some, some Christian music being played too. Um, we've only just begun. Wow. And well, they, then Joan Bryan. They, Joan Bryan was the organist. Pulled out to, all along the stops. With uh, Schuper and Ash on vocals. Hey, speaking and, of, thanks to the interns for digging that up. I'm not sure where they found that, but uh, that was nice. Yeah. To, nice oh, to I also, uh, Janice Bushy uh, from those great basketball teams. She was a server at the reception that took place at the Elks dining room. So, Always wondered how it was to be invited to a wedding then be immediately put to work. 
<laughs> well, and when we get that, when we have that 81 episode, those are some questions that may <laughs> come up during that episode. But yeah, so it's, I, I, Debbie obviously loves that basketball team, and she got a few of them involved yeah. in her wedding. And there thanks too. for listening, Debbie. We appreciate that. And you guys probably thought those were the big weddings of the summer. There's actually, I was, I think this was the, this was the big wedding of the summer. This was the. Um, Princess Di, Prince Charles wedding of of 85. The Sabre Duncan and Deb Parrott wedding uh, took place. So July 5th. So happy 36th anniversary to Sabre and Deb. And um, they've been mentioned. uh, Sabre had Jana Gray as her uh, maid of honor. Really? And it doesn't mention, it may have been a small wedding, um, I know at least say, there's lots of brothers and sisters involved too, so I'm sure maybe they had some of those spots, but though, they didn't mention like a whole litany of people that were standing up with them. Jana stood up with um, with Sabra, and for and any guesses because I know you're you were really good friends. You grew up with Deb mm-hmm. Brian, yes, and Gary. You can be involved in this too. Who was his um, who was his best man? It's nobody from Sabra's family or anything like that. It's a Somebody he went to school with. Okay, I'm going. I'm going to say Mike Ash. That's what I was going to guess. Not Mike Ash. Come, okay. um, and I don't even think he even sung at this one. Oh, because you're, you're going. Well, they, they didn't mention who sung, so he, he probably did. It's just not mentioned in the article. Give me the initials. KV. Ah, Kevin Vinzel. Dang it, I should have gotten that. I'm so mad at myself. Yeah, you'll hear more about Kevin if you want to go back and listen to the McCullough-Vinzel episode. I may may edit me in getting that correct. Um, (laughs) It looks like Misty Duncan was serving the champagne that night. I don't know if that's, I don't know if you have to be 21 to do that. I don't know, but she was the champagne server. I guess you don't. Um, So, um, and then Tina, Tina Kurtz. Um, uh, let's see. She also helped serve. So you had Tina there. All, I guess she was only like, she wasn't that, um, I was saying maybe she would have been a little bit harder. She was only about 16 herself. So. Yeah. She was, but they uh, served the champagne and the cake. So, she was a junior. um, I think that's all, all I have on that, but yes, that was a, um, and you know, still obviously people that are uh, yep. prominent in Bridgeport today. Deb Parrott, if- uh, talked a lot about on some football episodes. And of course the biggest story probably on this podcast of Sabra is, our driving driver's ed uh, adventures prior to the prom of what would have been 85. Yeah. Yeah. I I remember that. So I think I've, let me just click through my notes here. See if there's anything, just a couple random things as we uh, move on to Brian here, David Lawson, I think he was class of 85. So he would have just been graduating, uh, was named to the Illinois Baptist youth choir. Quite an honor. He was able to tour around Tennessee, Alabama, North Carolina, along with others. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. (laughs) <laughs> Sabre got married in 85? Yes. It mentions that she was going um, Wasn't she, she was going ju- into her senior year. Okay, there you go. Yeah. She had right. just completed her junior year. Well, Hill, okay. So they, I, oh I, I, I thought I was trying to get that timeline together, and wow, okay. Yeah. Huh. So, I, and, I um, would not have remembered that she was married as a senior. Yeah, and it's... it's huh. interesting. Um, Another th- a thing I, since I know Ronnie, Cull- Ronnie Culson's a listener to this show, he's even commented on the uh, iTunes or on the Apple podcast. Member of the uh, Bridgeport Bulldogs. Yeah. And he'll be mentioned on the seed school episode, which is upcoming. Um, Cullison, 
The Cullis and Judy reunion took place July 21st at the Lanterman Pavilion. I didn't realize Brian, Judy, and Ronnie Cullison were, I guess, cousins. They would be there related somehow. They're both at this family reunion. So a little statistic. I heard Brian and Judy mentioned in a Jeopardy clue yeah. um, last month. And let's see. I was going to mention the deluxe quarter. We already got to that earlier at Druthers. What is Brian, and, Judy, Ray? Was that the? Yes. yes. What is Brian, Judy, Ray? And I, so I think I've covered everything. Of course, Cocoon, Goonies, Rambo Part 2, Return of Oz were some of the big movies uh, going on at that time. So that's July. And um, I know Brian's got a little bit of August to cover because we do some of the August whenever we do the 85, 86 episode. But he's got a little of the early August yeah, information um, for us. I'm just going to start in the Daily Record on Thursday, August 1st. Uh, the picture in the paper is uh, second time being mentioned on this podcast. Sheriff Eddie Ryan handing a scholarship check to Mr. Chris Goff. Uh, he will be going to Vincennes University in the fall, and Ryan said the money for the scholarship was raised through a donkey basketball game held in March and supplemented by the Illinois Sheriff's Association. Congratulations so, to Chris, who I assume delivered the pizza to the board meeting. Yep, good job, Chris Goff. Hot in this episode. And he's, on Je- he's a Jeopardy clue also, but go ahead. There you go. Uh, seven groups to compete in the Sumner Battle of the Bands. The bands are, and I, I gotta, I, I do have to admit, I did not see who won in in a future episode of the or uh, issue. I, think of the I probably know who won, but go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Uh, at one twenty. At one twenty, Pat Pintel and company. Uh, Thirty five minutes later, it's Outlaw Country, followed by the Ash Band. Yes, winners follow, they'll win. Followed by Free Fall, formerly Ooh. known as Actor. Which I thought okay. was um, Country Connection was next, followed by Bird and Dave, Williams and Company, which I feel like Williams and Company, Company was a big Dave. band, so I got to think them and Ash, uh, <laughs> the Ash Band, were fighting it out. Yeah, because I saw Williams and Company listed like in ads. They're playing like uh, Tykles and stuff like that. Oh, yeah, um, it was big. <laughs> um, and uh, followed uh, at the 6 p.m. Uh, band that uh, ended it was Ghost Riders. Uh, the band is a bandstand was being erected at East South Street in the vicinity of City vicinity of City Hall in Sumner. Okay. Each band will perform for a panel of judges. I wish that would have been listed who the, those judges were. <laughs> yes. I, I gotta <laughs> think I gotta think Dave Waldrop was Dave on that. Yeah. Yeah. Sumner, so they're gonna bring yeah. in all their Sumner guys. Yeah. Um, Dennis what, Bowser, of course, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, Bill, Bill or Jess, Brian. Oh, for sure. You got to have a Brian on that. Uh, The bands will be competing for a grand prize of $500. So um, big news there going on in Sumner. A little bit more on Bridgeport uh, Little League Baseball. They were playing in the Alney Invitational. Um, Of course, Brandon strikes out 12 uh, against Alney. Um, You mentioned earlier Doug Stevenson. He socked a two-run homer. And yes. uh, Scott nice. Piper, who followed Stevenson with the solo shot. Um, oh, back to back! Yeah, wow, I didn't realize. Yeah, I didn't realize Scott went deep there at that yep. tournament. Be- so this would be. So they were eliminated. So then they would play in other tournaments. Yeah, after this was they the only. Yep, this was the only Invitational. Um, they beat Alney, and there'll be more to come on that because they're set to play the Alney Lawrenceville winner. Uh, Red Hill students attend FHA leadership camp. Cindy Davis and Julia Talley, eighth grade students at Red Hill. Uh, were two of 2,000 teams selected um, from 350,000 home economics students. Um, they went from July 8th to 11th to Salt Lake City, Utah. 
Oh, I, w- I was going to say Bloomington Normal or something like that. Yeah, no, it was all the way out to Salt Lake. They were accompanied by Sue Cat, the home economics teacher. Uh, they, I, this, we, a, we, this is a big trip. <laughs> we talk about, I mean, these, I mean, there's things why she's so great because she goes the extra mile with everything she does, whether it's cheerleading or F- FHA, home ec class. Yeah. She did all the extra things and wasn't afraid to put in the time. And this yeah. is just another example. Like you of said, it. when I first started reading this, I thought, hey, you know, somewhere, like you say, Illinois State or, or whatnot. Mm-hmm. Nope. Uh, Salt Lake City. Julia Talley uh, participated in the Illustrated Talk event. The title of her talk was Five Main Causes of Accidents. Where? In the kitchen. The bathroom. Oh. <laughs> Good guess. Uh, so this is going to be a big Grease story. Fire. It's going to be a big, big story for me. I'm just going to have to read it to do it justice. The headline, and, and people, if you remember, letters to the editor was a big way for um, uh, anonymously to get your views out there. And this, the title of this says, Bridgeport Stinks. Mm. Editor, I would like to I invite like this. I would like to invite people to come and live in Bridgeport. We have a city where you can go to bed smelling like garbage burning. When the that temperature like is when the temperature is ninety degrees and you have to use an exhaust fan to breathe, the fan pulls that choking, horrible smell into the house. You can also wake up in the morning with your house full of smoke of the early burners. There is a law over here that states no burning of garbage at any time and absolutely no burning at all after 5 p.m. I'm guessing that's not quoting that law when you say that you can't burn at any time, but absolutely no burning after 5 p.m. Uh, this was published in the Bridgeport Leader, but maybe these people can't read. Your call, the, I'm, I'm reading, I didn't say that myself. You call the police and they, you. you call the police. No, no, no. That was the, oh, this was a disgusted Bridgeport resident. Uh, this, uh, you can call the police. They do nothing. You call the mayor. He does nothing. Most people start their fires at 5 p.m. to defy the law. If a person goes uptown in the evening, you can watch people drag racing on the streets, paying no attention to stop signs, and the police are nowhere to be found. If you don't believe what I'm saying, please come over at 6 p.m. and drive around our smoky city and see it for yourself. Like I said, signed a disgusted Bridgeport resident. The editor's note after that, having relatives and maybe even a friend in Bridgeport, we've spent many an evening over there, but have not encountered such um, odors unless we left the grill on too long. (laughs) However, send us directions on how to get to the alleged violators, and we will help you get even. Um, There will be more later. Also in that uh, August 5th paper, Janie Harper had gone to Guam, to visit her daughter, Julie, and her husband, Jeff Hawkins, former football player. That's right. Jeff was stationed in the Air Force there. Uh, She had a 12-hour layover in Tokyo, and uh, the airlines um, arranged a meal and a little quick tour of portions of Tokyo. Uh, Bridgeport continuing in that Olney tournament. They won uh, won the Olney Little League Invitational Saturday afternoon by posting a 6-4 win over Olney. Uh, same cast of characters doing the da- damage. Corey Ray pitching. Brandon uh, walked none in relief. Struck out five. Uh, they were down three to one going into the fourth. And uh, Smith and Scott Piper smacked again back to back homers. My God. Yeah. Goodness gracious. <laughs> uh, Piper's home run and single led the winning squad. Also hitting safely were Ray, Halfacre, Waller, and Holtz. 
Uh, Bridgeport will again play in the Vincent City Tournament this weekend for the final fling of the season. So those boys have had a, a very, very busy summer on the diamond. Now and we go would, and we go on to win a regional six years later. So the, the hard work paid off. Success uh, will follow. Uh, Tuesday, August 6th, Bridgeport City Council meeting. Uh, they reported that the city was in great financial shape, but then here we go. Council members, council members also discussed a letter to the editor that appeared oh. in Monday's Lawrenceville Daily Record. According to the letter, Bridgeport ordinances banning fires were being poorly enforced. Council members agreed there is a problem. John Lawson, alderman, said something has to be done about it. He said the smoke and the, spe- the smell are noticeable. So the writer of that letter to the editor wasn't completely blowing smoke. Major William Potts said the police have to get tougher with the offenders. I think it's time to issue tickets. As for the letter, several council members and police chief Rick Sleniker denied allegations that they had been repeatedly contacted, and if they were, they would have done something about it. Sleniker took exception to the complaint against the police officer. He said many people won't complain to the police until long after the fact, and they expect the police officer to have known about it, which obviously not. We get a complaint, we act on it. A lot of times we don't know somebody's burning. If a policeman is driving around in his squad car, he may or may not know it. It's got to be called in. And uh, so they said, you know, call in people. Don't just don't write letters to the editor and complain about it. Uh, schools are about to open. I thought this was interesting. Um, Red Hill and Lawrenceville both getting ready. Uh, Chip, do you know, what, what do your kids pay for school? Like our registration, yeah, fees. your registration fees. It's a lot. Yeah, I was going to say, seems like a lot to me. It's um, both of my kids are in high school. It was close to two hundred dollars each. Yeah, I was going to say like hundred with these technology fees and things like one fifty, two hundred, something like that. Well, not in the summer of nineteen eighty five. High school students will be charged fourteen dollars and fifty cents in book rental, fifty cents for physical education lock rental, and a dollar per lunch. It's a great deal. Yeah, insurance uh, insurance coverage eleven bucks for school time. Twenty four hour coverage is thirty five bucks, and if you have a junior high student, uh, it's even cheaper than that. It is eight dollar book rental, fifty cents for your locker, and a lunch is ninety cents. So the high schooler is getting ten more cents worth of food. Every day, uh, for a, a sign of things to come, the grand champions, members of the Red Hill Junior High Cheerleading Squad, recently attended the uh, Interla- International Cheerleading Federation Camp at the University of Illinois, and, of course, they brought home the grand prize. Uh, pictured in this uh, is Shonda Allen, Troy Moore, Daphne Devonshire, Tina Foster, Angie Phillips, and Mindy Purcell, Coach Sue's cat and Dana Purcell, Tracy Schrader. For whatever reason, Robin Andrews and Angie Be- Angie Abel were not in attendance for that picture. And that team led by Mrs. Cat again. I mean, just yeah. one of the all-time greats. That's why we had her in one of the first episodes. Uh, school board meeting on uh, in the August 9th paper uh, accepted the re- resignation of 30-year employee custodian Geraldine Satterway voted against buying a lot of land separating the two areas of the Red Hill Junior High playground. I thought that was kind of funny. I never, I kind of forgot that those were separated. Um, but when there's a little old house there, right, in the middle? Wasn't there like the softball where like Mr. C played softball? Yeah, and then there was, there's a house. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, I drew a picture of that house in art class. I still have that picture. Oh, yes. Nice. Well, this, uh, if we look at the same way, Mr. Courtright's house. I, I, yeah. Honestly, and so I, did Tony West, and he drew the same picture. Honestly, I guess I just always assumed <laughs> the school owned that, but no, they did not, and they did not want to buy it. Oh, yeah, because uh, it was still there a couple years later. Hired Jeannie Webster, Sue Luthy, Robert Ford as full time teachers. Luthy has been a half time teacher, of course. Board also hired Denny McGee as an assistant football and basketball coach. So I was on those squads. The Bridgeport Bulldogs are the Babe Ruth champs. They are pictured. Seven and three record uh, in the picture is, you know, all the usual suspects. Great baseball coach in Bridgeport, Jerry Legg, Stacy Moore, Lance Smith, Steve Wagner, Kevin Tucker, Jimmy Worth, Dave McAdow, Ronnie Cullison, and Coach Jim Wagner. D. Burks, Rusty Wells, Sean Webster, and Coach Brian Emmons had other things to do rather than show up for that picture. <laughs> okay, the saga continues with this letter to the editor in the Monday, August 12th newspaper. Damn. Headline is Defends Bridgeport. Dear Editor, in answer to the article, Bridgeport Stinks, yes, the people of Bridgeport can read. I've lived here most of my life, and I think Bridgeport is a super good choice of a place to live. I don't have any desire to move elsewhere. We have our bank, post office, grocery, and taverns. If we want to go there, what else do we need? Also, we have good doctors. As far as people burning trash, that's our privilege. Yet, why doesn't he get a burn barrel to burn his own trash? I'm not sure that's the answer, but yeah. <laughs> the, ones, the ones that get up are just a little bit more ambitious than the city people. If they think Bridgeport stinks, why don't they pack up and go back to the city where no one knows you are alive? So I think this person who signed Concerned Citizen, they know who the other guy was. Okay. I think. Because then it says... right. Go back to the city. You can see crime. Com- you, you can see the crime committed, and are afraid to say anything for fear you will be the next victim. I don't believe I would live in a place I hate so bad. P.S. As far as our cops, I believe if you ever need to call them, I would get results. I'll agree they are not as hard as the cops in Chicago. So interesting. I feel like this guy or or, or yeah. gal knows who the. Because this guy's not been quiet all the time, so you pretty much people knew who the disgruntled resident was, just because he's been out, right. you know, chirping about these things quite a bit. And his idea and his solution was get up earlier and burn your trash. Uh, Vincent <laughs> City Open Tennis, uh, our our uh, yes. popular <laughs> how, how, how Mr. Hardacre do <laughs> our popular uh, <laughs> podcast subject Doug Hardacre. Well, he won the men's B yes. singles. So good job there. Uh, Budget, uh, we kind of talked about that. I was going to see in that school board meeting where we talked about Warren Miller. uh, This is all financials, and honestly, it's not that interesting. (laughs) Uh, Bridgeport League, this is interesting. uh, Bridgeport League played in that Vincennes tournament we talked about, played four games in one day. Love it. Uh, it was the fourth game of uh, the day for Lawrenceville, who took the tourney title to the wire. We just ran out of guests, said Coach Mike Smith. Each pitcher was allowed only ten innings in the tournament. We played seven. Okay. We played seven games. Two of those well, went. Okay. And, and two and of those played ten the whole tournament. Okay, it's ten, not just ten on that one day where you played four games. It's ten okay. the ten the whole tournament. Four games in one day, and two of those went extra innings. Because he was mainly going Brandon and Corey rotating with like, so he's got to go a little deeper. He's got to go Gene Allen, Doug Stevenson. He's got to go a little deep Darby. He's got to go a little deeper in his rotation here. Yeah, they uh, they 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 ran out of gas. Uh, 
Uh, they started off beating Monroe City, Indiana, 14-0. Darby struck out 11. Brandon Smith socked two home runs. No shock there. Danny Land gets into the mix with a few hits. Uh, Rob Waller, Chad Andrews gets a hit. Uh, Bridgeport fell to Olney, 6 nothing. Eric Holtz and Wagner uh, got hits. Doug Stevenson homers again. And Tommy Halfacre was 3-for-3 three three to lead the charge. Uh, it took seven innings. Listen to this. It took seven innings for Bridgeport to win five to four over Barry Vikings from oh, Indiana. Okay. Wow. In the first contest Sunday afternoon, Ray pitched four innings. Stevenson came on in relief. So Doug making his pitching uh, debut for what we know. Um, Smith finished the contest, shutting down the Barry offense. I, and for those of you that don't know, that's where I live now. So I really wish they would have mentioned some Barry oh, yeah. names so I'd figure out who they played. Which and I love how uh, Mike Smith saved one inning for Brandon to come in and get that save when they needed. That was smart coaching by uh-huh. Smith. And you know that was. I mean, you know Wagner and him and Ray and everybody are talking like, do we do this? You know, we've got a yeah. lot of baseball left to play. Uh, Scott Piper went four to four against Bar Reeve. Um, half acre homered in the game. Half half acre homer to win the game. Oh wow! <laughs> uh, Bridgeport won the losers bracket seven to four over the Vincent's A team, um, which uh, was interesting. Wonder what the Vincent's B team did if they got beaten the losers bracket. Uh, Corey Ray gets the save. A valiant comeback brought Bridgeport to a six five win over Olney. And in the championship game, they had to turn around and play Olney again. Lost eleven to five in seven innings, um, so a big seventh for Olney. So they played Olney about five times yeah. this summer, at least. Um, yeah, Brad Hart. That I mean, for years, Brandon Smith and Brad Harmon were this pitching. They were the Gary Emmons and Mike Rogers of the class of '91. Those um, constantly dueling each other in every yeah. sport. Uh, in that in that championship game, Piper homered while Smith, Ray, and Waller picked up hits. Gene Allen, who broke his thumb in the last game of the Olney tournament, was unavailable, as were Rodney Roderick and Matt McCullough. So they're not only playing four games in one day, um, they're shorthanded as well. So that yeah, Roderick uh, and McCullough are playing basketball, is my guess. They, it was time to um, move on to basketball. Yeah. Uh, now, what, now, Gary, I know your Lions team struggled that year. You guys were young. And you go on to, like, what went on league championship a couple years later. But I don't think anybody from the Lions is on this all-star team, are they? I haven't heard any names. Yeah, you had no all-stars on this team. Uh, so, uh, what else? Uh, just real quick, Gary mentioned some movies, and, and I'll mention some movies and music, music stuff here before we wrap up. I uh, thought it was interesting. Back to the Future spent three days at number one, July 7th through July 21st. Uh, doing what 21 31 million dollars uh european lampoon vacation spent one week at number one and then back to the future comes back for a three five nine week run at number one uh, ended up doing 381 million dollars in gross um i just some tidbits on back to the future if you're interested the script was rejected 44 times before it was finally greenlit um, Ronald Reagan was amused by Doc Brown's mentioning about him becoming president. And as he was being screened, the movie asked him to rewind it so he could watch that again. And then used uh, a line from that in a state of the union address saying, as they said in the film, back to the future, where we're going, we don't need roads. Don't know what that meant. Uh, the other big tidbit, if you don't know this, it's an interesting story. They filmed for six weeks with Eric Stoltz. As the as Marty McFly and okay. Stoltz said, and the producers agreed, I'm not doing a very good job. And then that's when they 
uh, Meredith Baxter Bernie came back from maternity leave on family ties, and that uh, that freed up Michael J. Fox as he was having to carry the show. And once okay. she was back, he could he could start filming. Um, I'm not going to play a ton of music because um, we we got to get going. We're, we're an hour and a half into this, but I just want to read some of these songs on this chart. This is the last week of August. Number one, Power of Love, Huey Lewis in the News. Two, Shout. Three, Never Surrender, Saint Almost Fire, Freeway of Love, We Don't Need Another Hero, Summer of 69, If You Love Somebody, Set Them Free, Every Time You Go Away, What About Love, Who's Holding Donna Now, Cherish, Don't Lose My Number. I mean, just amazing hits. Number 16, You Spin Me Right Round. Number 17, Money for Nothing. Um... Smoking hey, in the boys' room at 21. You haven't got to take on me yet. Take on me is on its way up the charts. I know it's coming pretty soon on your list there. 21, smoking <laughs> in the boys' room. 22, glory days, Bruce Springsteen. Um, yeah, it's... Rock me tonight, Freddie Jackson, 24. Uh, people are people, Depeche Mode, 27th. Get it on, bang a gong, 28th by the power station. <laughs> yeah, it was low. so much good music back then. Oh, Sheila, 33. On its way to one. Uh, <laughs> Take On Me, number 38 by AHA. Uh-huh. Lonely Old Night, John Mellencamp, great song at 40. Uh, then it starts to get a little... I debate with Gary sometimes what's the better year in music, 84 or 86. I think they're both amazing. I think 84 is slightly better, but 85, 85 can stand right up with 84 and 86. Yeah, I and, think so too. And, and many would say better than 84 and 86. Well, guys, that's going to wrap up the summer of 85. That was uh, that was a lot of fun, a lot of information, a lot of big stories. And as we talked about those big stories, what's some of the things we talked about? Warren Miller. Oh, definitely. Warren Miller dominating the summer of 85. Uh, uh, Tears for Fears, Roland Orzabel and Kurt Smith. <laughs> Jason Grismer. Don yes. Allenball. Shannon Grismer. D. Burks was mentioned on the podcast for the first time. Doug Grismer. Rick Rucker pitching for the Bridgeport Bucks. Sonia Holtz takes a trip to Wyoming. Jim Jamerson took a trip out west, too. Yep. Julia Talley, Cindy Davis go to Salt Lake. Alan Stoltz, Junior Pro Football Camp. Guys, for the first time ever, maybe ever anywhere, not just these airwaves, we discussed Carney showers. Carney showers, definitely. Mrs. Staver retired. Cherry vodka. Boots. Say that again. Boots, like because you know that's I had that. that. <laughs> I had that written down. I wrote down boot bottles. Okay, boot bottles. Yes. <laughs> Um, the big controversy, seatbelt laws went into effect. Slonaker and Chancellor crawling through a cornfield, one mile. Druthers and the <laughs> candlelight. Yes. Biscuits and gravy for under a dollar. The Staver family. Snooker. God rest his soul. Scott Piper had a hell of a summer, hitting a lot of home runs. Yes, he did. Don, did I say Don Albumball? I don't know if I did or not. 
how much David King was really involved in the 4-H fair. I still say none. Um, I think he's involved a lot. <laughs> lead beef. Yes, I'd like to get Neil on the line for Yeah, that. I've got to find out what lead beef is, and I want to find out what, what his trick was to beat out his brother, Marky. Can we call him after the show and get an answer on this? I don't or know. Or a future show. For Chip Jamerson, Gary Emmons, and our farming pal, David King, thank you for listening to another episode of the Old School Red Hill Podcast. Let's go white!